Good morning. Happy Thursday. I have neural coffee in hand and it is perfect. And call, please mute. Mute. There we go. Uh, if you have a question, please go to the chat function. Indicate that you have a question. We'll answer them in the order in which they arrive most of the time. All right, we got some Thanksgiving people on here. Right. For those of you who don't know, it's Thanksgiving here in the United States. So I can't promise this will be a normal call. Uh, people coming in. All right, first question goes to Lalo. Okay, fire up Lalo. Lalo? Cannot hear you. I heard you a moment ago. Nope. Today will be a silent call. <laughs> All right. I tell you what, let's jump to Zach and we'll come back to Lalo when he comes back on. Okay, hang on, Zach. Let's see if Lalo comes back on. Let's see if it works. Got it. Are we there? Yes, sir. All right. Much better. Okay. So, real quick. Uh, pro baseball player, lots of years of experience, and he lacks IR. So, I work with JP here, and He's training him directly, but he lacks this pitcher lacks IR. He has had Tommy John. And I so, wanted you right-handed yes. pitcher? Is that what you said? Right-handed pitcher. Okay. Le left okay. no, I'm sorry. Left-handed pitcher. Left-handed pitcher. Okay. All right. Lacks IR. He lacks shoulder flexion um, uh, at, at IR level. I don't we do table tests, but we try to do more like active tests, like back against the wall type. Um, uh -huh. so what we've seen is just, he has, he stands already with his arm bent. Yeah. His, his arm can't relax and go down. He's wide. Um, very strong guy, lots of training experience and the Tommy John, uh, he had had surgery. How long ago was the Tommy John? Corded. Last year. Okay. So he hasn't and had season. He hasn't thrown a season since. No, he hasn't thrown. He's okay. now starting to, you know, get his arm warmed up into throwing. Uh -huh. As he's getting into it, he's starting to touch his elbow a lot. And we went over, like, what's happening? He's like, well, I still feel a little bit, still feel a little bit, still feel a little bit. So this is recurring. We have tried breathing exercises to start gain him some, you know, uh, ranges of motion. And we've tried, you know, in training stuff that we've talked about, you know, the kettlebell carries things as such. It's, it's been really hard to gain him any type of uh, range of motion and to get away from those, from that tweak that he's getting. Mm -hmm. So I, I just wanted to know from you, like, what is your view on Tommy John recurring 
and the arm bent, maybe I'm missing a lot of pieces here. Well, okay. So you, number one, you, you said he's an older pitcher. He's got a lot of experience. He's got a lot of training history, right? Yeah. So, so he's going to have a lot and he's a wide ISA. Okay. So you got a triple whammy there. Um, so you got a lot of muscle activity that you're, that you're dealing with that he doesn't manage well. Right. So you have to understand like what the mechanics were that result in the medial elbow expanding to such a degree that the ligamentous structure is destroyed. Okay. Those mechanics are still there. The Tommy John surgery creates a replacement for the damaged structures. It does not alter the mechanics. Okay. So you have, you have a lot of ER orientation. You have a lot of concentric orientation of the musculature that will keep him in ER for a prolonged period of time. Okay. So, so this is not an, this is an elbow result. It is not the problem. Okay. Right. Do you understand? Yes. So I would be as worried about capturing medial foot contacts on this guy, getting the hip internal rotation, um, getting him the late hip IR so he can push down into the ground. Like all of those factors just as important as as the direct measure of internal rotation at the shoulder. Because he's wide, do I start him in in um, early and extended angles, and then move him into IR? I'm not sure. What, what do you mean by extended angles? So so we're so clear. But if, so if I'm I have him on the ground, for example, um, and and I'll do a hip extension legs extended first or heels elevated goblets and things like early propulsive starting and then move them into the IR in order to move them into the late or should I start training him in late? Well, okay. So there's, so this, this presents a question as to what we're starting with. Okay. Um, he's a left-hander. Um, he's probably going to have some IR compensatory strategy on the left side. Um, do you, do you have an idea of what his his hip ER measures would be um, as far as the uh, which side has more? He, he has yeah. okay, limited IR and ER. so it's it's, a, it's understood, a, understood, but there's gonna be a there's there's gonna be a, a side bias. Oh, okay. You're gonna have a little more on one side than the other, and if you can, if you can tell me that, it can give you an idea where to start. Okay, we'll go over that. See if there's a bias towards that, and then I'll. I can yeah. Probably... Yeah. Okay. So, so here's the, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, again, just because of history, his experience, and then training history. Okay. So, um, you're gonna lose motion when you throw. You're gonna lose motion when you train. If you don't consistently recapture it, then you're starting from a deficit and then you progressively lose motion over time. He's got to he's got to capture the ER positions to throw. And this is why the Tommy John results in the first place is because the exposure to the prolonged 
measure of external rotation keeps the medial elbow expanded for a longer period of time than we would we would prefer and then the ligament is is what suffers okay so um all of the musculature that would that would expand the 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 medial elbow tilt the olecranon on in such a degree where, where that's why it looks like he can't straighten his elbow um right. because you you've got like medial triceps, for instance, is going to be concentrically oriented under this circumstance. And it's going to create a twist across the elbow that's going to keep that medial elbow expanded. Okay. So that was probably there prior to the surgery. It's probably still there um, just because that's who he is, that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to get him to like ab abduct the arm and it's just, it's not, it's not going to open. Well, okay. And it, you're talking about like a horizontal abduction kind yeah, of thing? He lays on the table and he tries yeah, to open up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So now, so now you know you got DR compression that's also going to be interference. So so if he doesn't have – so that's his, um, his release, if you will, okay, his release position. So he's going to have a lot of anterior-posterior compression. So you got to get AP, right, because the, the, the anterior expansion is going to provide you space – for him to create the internal rotation. So he doesn't have that either. Oh, right? I'm talking about like ab abduction. And I'm talking about that too. Yeah, okay. Okay. Right. <laughs> that's his, so that's the position that his arm would be as he releases the ball. He's got to get into that position from, so you go from layback, okay? okay. You go from layback to that position, right. all right? But the, the problem is, is that he's going to be there too long because he's got to use an orientation to get the arm into that position that prolongs the exposure. So there's so there's more pressure on the lateral, the posterior lateral aspect of the elbow. OK, there's more pressure there. And then that expands the medial elbow. All right. Oh, Posterior lateral and also medial tricep. Those are the like, and then dorsal rostral. But do I start in the rib cage and move on to his shoulder? Well, you, his rib cage isn't moving, dude. So you got to you've got to get the expansion there. Like he's telling you by his his lack of of shoulder IR, the lack of horizontal abduction. Chances are he's got a deficit in in ER, like traditional uh, early ER in the shoulder as well. It, it's like you've got a lot of compressive strategy that needs to be um, in, uh, alleviated so he can expand and, and capture these motions with some relative motion. He's not going to throw with relative motion, but you got to start there. Right. Otherwise, like I said, he's just going to he's just going to prolong the exposure of, of the elbow. But but you but you got to look at this systemically. Okay. Right? It's like it's like your thought process is like okay I need this rib cage to be able to to he's a wide ISA you better be able to close the the ISA on the left side or you're not going to get the internal rotation right, right? yeah it, it seems so, like throw is just as aggressive as the kick to the ground on on track and field so it's just it, it's it's been a it's been a very um like hard experience because there's some tilts that happen with him like his left side will be down and forward so that's so that's his so that's most likely the ir substitution is what you're seeing like something that looks like a side bend mm -hmm. 
That's an IR substitution. You'll see it in a split squat. Like if you, have, if you have him do, if you have him do a left leg forward split squat, chances are as he descends, the left hip will stay higher than the right. Okay. Because what he's going to do, he's going to try to, he's going to try to create an orientation because he's got to substitute for the lack of, of internal rotation. So you got to get medial foot contacts. You've got to get, you've got to get early hip IR. Okay. This is a, this is going to be a pelvic shape change as well. Okay. So well, getting him on his side, getting him on his side. Okay. A lot of rolling activities to start to create some of the shape change through the pelvis and through the rib cage. Got okay. it. And there, there are difference between right and left-handed pitchers that I got to worry about. Yes. Yeah, so the right-handed pitchers throw with their right arm, the left-handed pitchers throw with their left arm. Oh, made a joke. Um, they're, they're a little bit, a little bit, you know, the, the lefties are throwing, the lefties are throwing against some of the internal dynamics. The rules don't really change a whole lot, Okay. but, but I would look at them from an archetypical perspective first, right? He's a wide ISA that, that has been flattened front to back. You got to get him on his side because it's going to give you the best opportunity to get the, the anterior posterior expansion and start to create some measure of turn. He's never going to turn like a tall, skinny guy, right? That doesn't mean you don't have to, you don't have to create some of, some of the turn. His heel goal angles um, don't give him a lot of verticality. So his release point, he's a lefty. So his release point is going to be very horizontal looking under most circumstances, right? He's always going to have to side bend a little bit, most likely. If you if you pull some of his old video, um, chances are you're going to see some some IR compensatory strategy anyway. The the thing about it is, it's like you 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 don't want to not have any available from a relative motion standpoint. Okay, so look at this thing systemically. Don't just look at the don't look at the arm just because he throws with his his left arm doesn't mean that all the other stuff wasn't contributing in the first place. Okay. Got it. Okay. Start him in uh late IR. I'm yeah. Late ER. Start him sideways. Roll him. Yeah. Little things, little things that, that will, that will um, help you uh, to let you know that you're on the right track. Um, check his, his, his uh, ability to turn his head to the left. Okay. That'll make sure that that you've got a better release point, okay, when he's throwing. He's very good at compensating, so we haven't been able to figure out how he's be turning left. But the best the best are the best compensators, right? So, yeah. um, but again, it, like get some old video, like just prior to where, where he got hurt and, and, and kind of look at his position at release, and that'll give you an idea of, of uh, some of the limitations that you're seeing. Like, if you see like a head whip, like like lefties are notorious for a head whip. Um, that means he doesn't have the dorsal rostral expansion um, when he's uh, in, in moving towards layback, right? He's already compressed forward, and so they they have to throw their head. They throw their head to the right um, as they're releasing the ball because they get so much dorsal rostral compression. Do you have somebody doing manual on him? No, we don't have any manual therapy yet here. Okay, you need to get some because it, what it sounds like, it sounds like you just got a, a 
a ton of concentric muscle orientation. Soft tissue is going to help calm that down. So if you don't have anybody to work on them, you're going to have to roll them around. You're going to have to use the ground, um, all of your little soft tissuey tools and stuff like that to calm some of that muscle activity down. Right? You got to create a gradient for space. You don't have any space. Right. Okay. Got it. But you could probably use you could probably use like a split squat uh, comparison for. Um, like a before and after on lower, right? To make sure you're getting foot contacts, knee position, hip position, pelvis orientation. Okay. So I'm I'm, I'm sorry to take this long. So he's gonna on the on the standing propulsive test, he's gonna lean over to his leg because he lacks that IR. Then what I'm gonna do is what what would be an exercise that you would give him in the gym to get him started with rolling that's not on the ground? What do you mean rolling that's not on the ground? So well, I'm. Uh, not on, yeah, on the ground for rolling as far as like learning how to roll. Would you start somebody like that on the ground with that much? Yes, muscle? yes oh. absolutely. It's, it's put him on his right side to start because it's going to, it's going to tune down all of the muscle activity that's shoving him um, forward on the left side. Got it. Okay. Yes, you got to start with, with small arcs, low intensity, it's it's gonna be boring. He's gonna hate it. It's not gonna feel fun. Is that him? That's his job. No, What's your name? What's your name, man? My name's JP, sir. Hey, JP. Hey, um, listen to what Lalo says. <laughs> he Dr. Pat Davidson's mentorship, so he's applying all the concepts. Okay, so. you got to get on the ground and roll around, boss. You got to get some of your muscle activity to tune down. Okay. Got it. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, I just had a lefty TJ uh, yesterday. Zach Fendrick, what's our ACL question for today? Not going to be an ACL question. Get out of here. Is it, a, is it an elbow? <laughs> no, it's not an elbow. I've been thinking about okay. it. I'm not All right. About it, but. <laughs> um, so... I'm thinking of like difference between um, like a ball between the knees versus you, like a band around the knees um, in like a hook line position. Okay. Um, so I guess it could be more than hook line, but just like in terms of in my head when I'm asking this, um, I guess the way I'm thinking about it, like I can use the ball between the knees to help increase the odds that like they're not orienting into ER. Um, but then the way I'm thinking about the band, like if I get some like lateral like glute med activity with the band, that'll give me like a lateral compression at the pelvis and give me IR up top. So with the, I'm trying to think like decision making in terms of like what I'm going to give someone. You got you to think about you got to think about where you are in space as you're applying the the. So we're talking about leading resistance. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what we're trying to do with, with any of those tools is to promote the, the desired shape change via the muscle activity. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if I, if I'm applying um, an, an ER force. Okay. So this is the band. Yep. All right. If I apply that, and the musculature above the trochanter 
is still in an ERD orientation. So it's still producing external rotation. What will be the end result? Stays ERD. Well, it stays ERD, but, but again, it's like from, from, a, from a positional standpoint in the pelvis, what, what are you restricting under the circumstance? Restricting the ability to IR. Okay. So is that, is that what you want? No. Okay. In a, in, we're talking about a hook line position. Is that what we're talking about? Correct. Okay. So, so in a hook line position, the band could be a great deal of interference mm -hmm. because you're going to end up creating a compressive strategy against the sacral base, right? Yes. Okay. If you were in a deeper position where the muscle orientation had changed directions and you put the band around the knees, now you have an opportunity to reduce motor output, allow the connective tissue behavior to change, right? I reduced the, the amount of tension on the, on the connective tissues, and now I can actually create a yielding position. Do you see the difference in the two? Yeah, so I, I was thinking about the band, Raleigh. It's, it's gonna promote more of the ER shape at the pelvis. It's, it's not like I'm getting a, a lateral compressive force that'll give me an IR representation. Not in this circumstance. What would be the circumstance? So again, if you were in a deeper, so, okay, so the difference between being at the, at the initiation of the descent of a squat and being at the bottom of a squat. One's late, one's early. Mm -hmm. Okay. In the deeper representation of the squat, you have a change in muscle orientation in the hip. Band around the knees allows the pelvis to change its shape into the early representation. But that would still be ER. It's still ER. But the motor output is reduced in that circumstance. That's what you're trying to encourage. Say I, I have all these muscles that, that become ER muscles or IR muscles rather, right? Mm -hmm. I'm applying... A, an ER leading resistance. So I'm not, I'm not moving the knee into, into the ER. I'm not moving the knee away from midline. So I get the ER to position. I'm just trying to alter the muscle activity that allows the shape change to access an early pelvis representation. Gotcha. Yeah. So like in a hook line position, if I'm worried about the ER orientation, ball between the knees would probably be a better bet because that's going to encourage the medial contacts better. But then if I were to. That, that alone, if, and, and all you have to do is do it yourself one time. It's like do hook line, capture medial foot contacts. Can you do it? Absolutely. You can. If you have the contact and I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about putting pressure on the ball. I'm just saying the contact on the ball drops the first met head onto the to the surface very easily com in comparison not for everybody but in, when it when it when it goes it goes right. gotcha and then for like something dynamic like a squat as we were talking about mm -hmm. it would be like ball between the knee versus 
been one way to look at is potentially just like what part of the range are they having trouble accessing? And so there you go. That that right there is a, is a statement of brilliance. That's a that's a statement of understanding as to what you're working on and where you're trying to be. Right. It's like, am I trying to capture the the middle representation or am I trying to capture the early representation? Because because the the muscle orientation changes. Right. There's a huge difference in the in the shape of the pelvis. There's a huge difference in the muscle orientation. All right. Which is, you know, and, and this is one of the reasons why you want to sequence internal pressure um, along the way as well. So, you know, for instance, if I'm uh, if I'm trying to bias the early representation at the bottom of the squat, and if I'm standing up, I do have to go through that middle representation, don't I? Yep. So the the way the way I prevent too much bias in one direction is I'm going to drive breath to help manage the internal pressures so I don't shift the bias so far in one direction. I still want to be able to go through that middle range, right? So I'm I'm going to make sure that I have an exhalation going through that range. Presumably if you've gotten to a point where you're working into that early representation of the bottom of the squat potentially preceding that at some point you had a ball between their knees working on the middle range and they've demonstrated the ability to capture that on their own. At, at maybe. I mean, yeah, maybe like, like you may have, uh, you may have started them in hook line or something like that. You may have progressed them to, you know, some sort of supported activity that's not fully upright where you're still capturing you know, IR and ER, that kind of a thing. And then you're going to move them through that middle. And then you're going to do something that's unsupported, which would be your squat. So you've probably been through that. All right. Yeah. Thank you very much. That's it. That's it. Well, that was easy. I'll come back but, with an ACL but, for you. But 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 I'm 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 thrilled with the I'm thrilled with the understanding of the difference. Like like when you said that it depends on where you're working. It's like, yes, that's it. That's the answer. Awesome. Thank you. The masked man, Manuel. Hey, Bill. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Uh-oh. Are you at the uh, circus there, boss? Say what? Are you at the circus? There's a lot of weird metallic background noise. It's uh, it's like Christmas jingles. Uh, I'm in Korea right now. I'm in Seoul, and uh, they are digging the Christmas vibe here. Okay. So, All right. We'll try is, to get it through this. It, it hurts my ears a little there. bit. Hurts my ears a little it's bit. Okay. I'm trying to walk away from it, but there, <laughs> there are lights everywhere here. So uh, I'm like photobombing a lot of selfies as I do this, but uh, <laughs> it's okay. Um, so I actually had a squat question. Uh -huh. uh, as well. So sometimes I'll have, um, or I'll get, you know, complaints from an athlete that where there's not a lot of differential between the front and back squat. So, you know, like normally your back squat should be a little bit stronger than your front yeah, squat. I'm with you. And some of these athletes, um, there, there's, there's very little differential, if not almost the same. Uh -huh. And so I'm wondering like, in those cases, is it just that, they tend to be narrow as well. So I'm wondering, this is a case where they're just so compressed that, you know, they're, they're producing that downward force. Like they're not even getting 
any gradients between the two squats that they end up just being the same. Yeah, it, it, so it, it may be. So you think about the, so you think about the difference between the, the two squats where you're going to have a, a, a stronger yield in the uh, front squat than you would in the back squat. Take that yield away. So let's just jam them into a late representation. And now you've got the equivalent, right? So there's no differential between the two. And so what they're representing, they're, they're trying to front squat with a back squat technique but with the uh, additional compression, like I said, they, they just don't have the differential and the gradient. So, so that's why the squats would be the same. If you, it, here, here's the interesting thing. If you can get, if you can get some of the, some of the uh, uh, expansion back, um, you'll probably see both squats go up, but at different rates. Like you'll see like the back squat will increase um, and and at, at a higher, it'll go faster, right? Because they'll have a bigger differential or, or they're literally squatting at their potential. And then you're, you know, kind of stuck. Yeah, I mean, these athletes tend to be, I don't know, kind of weak. So I don't, I mean, either they have a really low potential or, I think it's more of a gradient issue. Well, okay. Um, and so, sorry, let, let, let's talk about this for a second. Narrow ISA, lots of AP compression, which means that they're going to squeeze the, the thorax. Pressure is going to go down. That's going to kind of stick them in the, in the bottom, so to speak, right? So they have a lot, lot of difficulty with overcoming. Um, if you work on some uh, inversion, you might be able to get the the outlet to push up a little bit stronger. Um, if you do some of the uh, static overcoming uh, squats through the middle range to teach them to, to push up with the, uh, with the outlet a little bit more aggressively, then maybe they, they can come back up through the sticking point a little bit more effectively. You see, you see the game? Yeah. Yeah, get them some space and then, then teach them how to pressurize upward versus the versus the downward element. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. All right, yeah, that's 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 what I, that's what I had in mind. But okay. uh, good, thanks for that. Yep. So so these are going to be. Hang on, let's talk about this for a second. Um, pull, pulling off the blocks becomes more important. Right, because you want to start them in the position where they can pressurize more effectively. Um, that might also be a nice contributor as well. So you pull them, you have them pull off the blocks and catching their cleans. Um, that might also give you some of the uh, front squat potential. Do you think um, so? It would be more of like a mid-range block yes. position. Yeah. Yeah. So you, so you start them, you start them um, at or just below their second pole, <clears throat> right, right where they, right where they have to really pressurize from the bottom up, right. Um, teach them that the starting position can be really helpful. Um, like a snatch pull off the blocks um, right about just below the second pole there. Um, the position is going to give them a little bit of the yield and the DR. 
Um, the position is going to give them pressure from the bottom up. So it might actually be a decent solution. The, and, and then using the snatch pull, when they finish the snatch, that's going to enhance their, their back squat representation as well. So I think you have some okay. options here. I think you have some options. I think the question mark is like, what's the potential? Right. And so if I were to do them, uh, do it from the first pull, would that kind of reinforce their their pressurize, their downward pressurizing strategy that they're Maybe. using? Maybe. It, it might be too far down. It might be too far down to start them. I think eventually okay. you're going to have to go there. I don't think I would start them there. I would start them where they have a little bit more of a mechanical advantage. Okay. So kind of like a box squat, you know, scenario. The premise... The premise is the same as a box squat, but you're going to have them pull off the boxes. That's what the boxes are for. The boxes are to create a position so they can create that pressure as quickly as possible. But if you take them too far down, you might have too much top down pressure and you're just sticking them back into the ground. It's like it's like full squatting somebody that need, that should be box squatting. Got it. That's cool. Yeah. All right. I'll do that. Yep. All right. Good question. Thank you. All right, sir. Bill, can I get a follow up to that really quick? Absolutely. Um, so I have a kid that I'm working with, and he was basically post surgical. Here, your post surgical elbow. There you go. Um, we spent like the first month or two, he was not lifting with his team, um, and then when he got back into the weight room with uh, like the squat variations the coach was doing, um, the two things he said to me were that he was hitting depth a lot more easily and he felt a lot stronger like than he ever had out of the bottom position. So I guess the depth component made sense with a lot of what we were working on. Um, but then kind of what you said to Manuel, like they were going to feel just stronger if you get the expanded representation back. Yes. Can you elaborate on that? Cause I guess like I, my first thought when this kid was talking to me and telling me that was like, all right, like he had like some ability to like utilize the connective tissues and storage and release, but the variations they're doing, for the most part are a lot of like really slow tempos and pause reps and almost uh -huh. taking the connective tissue behavior out of it. So uh -huh. is it, is it that the, like you have, I guess I'm trying to figure out like, what about the muscle expand, like the expanded repetition of the muscle is allowing for that better strength expression. Okay. So number one, <clears throat> no gradient, no movement. You understand that? Mm -hmm. Okay. So I want you to think about, about creating pressure in two directions, okay? I can squeeze you front to back and that would push down, mm -hmm. okay? like, like, a, like reversing a tube of toothpaste. So I'm gonna squeeze you from the top of the tube of toothpaste, toothpaste goes down. So that's an outlet that's expanding towards the ground that makes it harder for you to stand up and lift weight, okay? The outlet has to be able to push up for you to stand up with a weight, mm -hmm. okay? All right. Start with the compressed representation. You are already at deficit. It's very difficult to push up against that. If that is the strategy that you're going to use coming up out of the bottom of a squat or pulling off the floor, it will be very, very difficult because number one, you got to overcome the inertia of the weight. And then you got, uh, you got a reverse gears pressure that's trying to stick you into the ground at the same time. Now, Take the pressure away, take the AP compression away. I now have expansion. If my first move is the upward pressure of the outlet into the expanded representation, now I push up with the outlet, now I squeeze, the outlet won't go back down and guess what happens to the outlet? It keeps pushing upward and now I am stronger. 
Gotcha. So it's like, what moves first? Did I squeeze myself front to back first and push myself down? Or did I push up first with the outlet into the expanded representation and then squeeze to push up? So it's, it's, like, it's like, what direction is my outlet going as I squeeze? Because you have to squeeze to stand up with a heavy load. But, but I, I want to make sure that, that everything's going in the right direction under the circumstance. So in both cases, I have AP expansion. Under one circumstance, the outlet's giving way and it's sticking me down in, in, into the bottom of a squat or sticking me into the ground. The other instance, it's helping me push upward. Do you see the difference? Yeah, from, from a timing standpoint, like yep. if, if they have the expansion available to them, will the outlet push up first is kind of just like a default strategy in most cases. Yeah. So I was going to all right, so there was the follow-up, like what? <laughs> I, I, I'm having trouble. So this, is, so this is, so this is the exact same thing that I was just talking about with, with Manuel. Okay. Is, is, so you, you're, you're setting up a position to allow this behavior to, to sequence itself. Right. So, um, we set somebody up right before the second pull, um, pulling off a block. Okay. So I'm going to put the outlet in a very specific position. I'm going to try to acquire a position before I pull on the bar that allows the AP to, to be there. As I, as I apply pressure to the ground in that position, I don't want to squeeze from the top first. I want to make sure that I'm pressurizing from the bottom up. So I got to figure out where in space I got to put the pelvis for that to happen. If I start too low, I've already compressed them and I'm already pushing them down into the ground. I got to get the hips high enough that I have an outlet that is pushing upward. You see it? Yeah, okay. I don't know what, need, need to hear it a second time, but that made a lot more sense that time. <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. So, and, and again, this is, this is, if all you got to do is like take anybody into the gym and when you're trying to figure out like how high the box needs to be for them to push through the middle range of a squat without a delay, yeah. right? you can see them push through it. Um, that's, that's the same thing that we're talking about here. It's like, this is how you make sure that you have an outlet that's pushing up and not getting pushed down by the AP compression. Cause like I said, you're going to squeeze, you, you have to compress to lift heavy things. Yep. There's no other way around it, but you got to start with the gradient. Okay. Thank you. Hey, be, be can... <laughs> Go for it. Okay. Um, so the people who have a hard time with this, would those be the people with, what? with what? Uh, what you're just talking about, pressurizing the uh -huh. outlet, uh -huh. Uh, uh -huh. sequencing it properly? Yes, sir. Would, would those be the people who essentially like pick hips way back in the squat? So, so what, so what you'll see, so what you'll see is it's like they sort of initiate upward and then they kick back and then they kind of stand up, right? And if they can sequence it properly and pressurize the pelvic outlet well, then they'll just kind of go up. Yeah. So, so you'll see the compensatory strategy in, in high level lifters because they have the same problem. It's like the, the only thing that their, their issue is, is like, they've got like, you know, 300 kilograms, you know, on the bar, right? Like they're, they're lifting like crazy, crazy weights. Right. Um, and so, but they have the same problem. It's like their, their outlet is pushing up. It hits the constraint. So they're squeezing as hard as they can. And the reason that they stop moving is because the outlet went up, they squeezed in, 
and then there's no gradient. So what do they got to do? They shift backwards a little bit. They create a little bit more gradient now. They get their pelvis up, and then they can move up and forward. And so you're going to see this in, in a so-called, I, I, I hesitate to use air quotes, weaker individual, right? The people that aren't as trained um, will do this under body weight circumstances or lightly loaded circumstances. It's the same strategy, right? It's it's like the outlet can't push up anymore. So they stop moving. They, they shift their center of gravity. That buys them a, a, a gradient, right? And then they use that gradient to finish the lift because now they've sort of unweighted the, the outlet a little bit and, and it allows them to push upward. So, so by, by shifting the pelvis backwards, you, you, you proportionally de-weight the outlet and that change in force production requirement helps shift gradient favorably. So Hank, yeah, yes. So you're creating, so you're creating the expansion posteriorly, right? So you look at the posterior outlet position. That's what changes. So as they're coming straight up out of a squat, they shift backwards, right? They're trying to get they're trying to get the the outlet into an IR a more ir position. So that is a, that is a concentrically rated outlet. That is an, that is an exhaled outlet to do that. They literally have to shift the whole pelvis into a stronger representation of IR. That's what, that's all they're doing. And that brings the outlet into that concentrically oriented position. You see it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just, just follow the shape change. They're telling you, they're telling you what is difficult for them. Right, they're telling you where you need to start them. Okay, or like I said, if you've got a crazy high-level lifter that that has hundreds of kilograms on the bar, they're just they're working right at their potential. Right? You can kind of just watch them squat, and then they start to move their hips there. Start them at a box squat there. I would I would say like really close to there. Is that fair? It's like yeah. give them give them a little bit of a mechanical advantage to start, right? And, and so could you could you have them like literally just like take a breath in and then do the box squat and that'll yes. get you like some deep expansion that you can push up again. Yes. Yes. Okay. Cool. Yes. Did that Tuesday. In fact. Yep. Big tall guy. Big tall guy was squeezing like like crazy. Yeah. Did that and it, and everything got better very very quickly. So yeah. Yeah, Bill. Some of these athletes they tend to do what looks like a kind of like a good morning squat. Yes. They'll get the knees that come in, and um, then somebody yeah. will blame like weak, weak quads or weak back or some right some so, nonsense like that. It's all. It's all. <laughs> they're just trying hard, man. Uh, no, it's these are all strategies to create this this high pressure position of the pelvis. So it's a shape change in the pelvis. It's a positional uh, 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 muscle orientation of the of the outlet to create the concentric orientation that you need to keep the pressure going in the right direction. That's all it is. But you'll see all like like the IR like they'll 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 try to IR their hips. They'll kick their hips back. They'll um, bite their lower lip. They'll push their head forward. You'll see all of these kind of things to try to get the IR in the system. <laughs> 